How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing on this lovely Tuesday night at 10.45 p.m.? Um, I'm, I'm doing fine for a Tuesday night at 10 p.m. I feel like a lovely Tuesday night is, is still less lovely than most other days of the week. But um, I don't know. I'm making do with uh, with a world with no no basketball. I, I mean, I we, we've heard... Like I don't know if it's conflicting, but we're not sure if Giannis is going to play in the Eurobasket for Greece. That's the European Championships. That was kind of like, is there any other like real basketball other than the, like the big, what is it, the big three or whatever the That's ice not cube. real basketball. That's not real. I watched like three minutes of some of that the other day, and it's it wasn't totally embarrassing, but I just like I just I just don't care. Like I, yeah. it's just not interesting. I watched the first the like the first night it was on. I watched I don't know probably like ten fifteen minutes of it and. I just can't get into half court basketball. Like, yeah. There's no flow to the game. Like, it's just like okay, score and then check the ball. And obviously, like I've played three and three basketball much of my life, and like it's enjoyable when I'm playing it. But watching it, ugh, I do, I do not, I do not like it. And especially when it's dudes that are on the, I don't even the upper edge of being able to still play competitively. Like, yeah. It's not so great. So yeah, I'm I'm not in on it. But yeah, Eurobasket and I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's pretty much it for basketball this summer. Um there's there's really nothing else. I, I know I threw the Larry David gif on uh on the Twitter after the Bucks Summer League game because I was like, well, I mean, Bucks Summer League is over, so like that was well, kind of basketball. But now there's like no basketball. So am I like happy that I don't have to watch summer league basketball anymore? Am I sad that there's not any basketball? I'm not. I'm not really sure which way to go on that. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. So it's this is this is truly the one of the stranger times of the year because I think again I'm in the habit of saying exactly when we record in case news breaks. But like I don't. Are we kind of out of the time when? news is gonna break like i think we're kind of in in that strange spot of the year where there's there's really not a lot here yeah i mean i think we're all just sort of waiting to see if the bucks do make sort of a final move and again they do have as to borrow a phrase from john hammond as we stand here today uh the bucks do have 15 roster spots filled so 
that there is still some potential for movement as we've outlined. Um, you know, probably the most unlikely or most difficult thing is to try to pull some kind of salary dump where you send a lot of money out like a John Henson or a Mirza Toledovich and, and take none to little back. And I think people have, I think gotten so focused on sort of a, a pure salary dump where you're just, you know, shipping a guy to a team that has cap space or, you know, maybe there are a couple teams with trade exceptions big enough to explore those guys. And that obviously seems very unrealistic without giving up real assets, which I think at this point, everybody who listens to us regularly knows that, you know, I will have just, uh, I don't even know. I'll, I'll have like an aneurysm if the Bucks were to trade, you know, a first round pick to move a salary such that they can really, so they could sign anybody. Like, I don't, there's like nobody. Literally we've no been, one. Literally we've been talking no about one. it. Yeah. We've been talking about it through the, through the lens of Derek Rose, but, um, but th- this is not, that's not even Derek Rose specific at this point. Right. I mean, if there, I mean, and again, it wasn't possible to do like, like they couldn't have opened up enough salary to like sign KCP, for instance. You know, if you could have, then that would have been, I think, maybe you could have talked yourself into something like that because that's a, a really interesting young player. But there's nobody on the market at this point that would be, I think, interesting enough. And before we go and farther, because I think what we want to do partially today is is talk a little bit about, you know, other free agent options. So. You know, again, if the Bucks were to say wave Gary Payton and stretch Spencer Hawes and open up a few million dollars of of cap flexibility, so again, not not big time money, but a little bit of money. Like what would what would we suggest they do? Obviously, we've talked about not wanting to sign Derrick Rose. Um, we'll see if we have to do an emergency podcast around that at some point. But maybe some guys that we're interested in. And let me just reiterate because before we go there, Eric, let me just note something that we've talked about before i feel like i've talked about it multiple times i feel like i've said it on the radio when i've done spots um uh, on local milwaukee radio Mm -hmm. but i heard it again i listened to a podcast from let's just say an anonymous bucks quote-unquote insider and (laughs) this idea was raised yet again they were asked if they could trade any of the bucks contracts who would it be and it was said, it was offered that Greg Monroe would be the guy to trade because then you could go out and get a couple pieces and his contract oh, was so big. No. And I just I just I I might just like I gritted my teeth, I clenched my fist. I was just I'm just sitting there thinking like this is horrible horrible logic that is based on not the reality of the Bucks cap situation. Because once again, as we've said all summer, even if you took Greg Monroe and wiped his contract off the Bucks' books, they would be over <laughs> the salary cap. The, take his eighteen million dollars off. You can't go spend the eighteen million dollars someplace else yes. on you know a couple of like really attractive free agents. Um, now, if you sent him out to you know somebody you got nothing in return, you could generate like a, a nice trade exception. But again, you could also go trade Greg Monroe for probably a decent player at this point because Greg Monroe is pretty good. And, you know, there are other guys, especially on longer term deals with Greg being an expiring contract. If you, bottom line is, if you think Greg Monroe is the worst contract on the Milwaukee Bucks right now, just stop. <laughs> That's not, yep. That is absolutely not the case. Greg Monroe is, you know, was arguably the Bucks' second best player last year. If you dump him for nothing, you're definitely downgrading the talent on your roster. Um, and so to me, the, the only debate is, is whether it's, and, and I would say it's probably John Henson just because of fit. I think you can make a case for Mirza Toledovich as well. 
Um, I don't think either of us would, would put Delhi quite in that category. Um, even though his his deal goes another three years, he's paid a little less. I think he still has a more clear role on this team. Um, but anyway, just wanted to put that out there that Greg Monroe's salary is, yes, he's paid a lot, but he he actually has a far more valuable contract as an asset and as a player than, than a number of the guys we just mentioned, just because, again, he is expiring. He doesn't have a long-term obligation behind him. Teams that want to have cap space next year won't be really spooked by that and he's also clearly the best player among all these guys that, that we've <laughs> yeah. mentioned so anyway just to couch that so the bucks are not going to generate real cap space with any moves that they make at this point so you're really just talking about you know if you could dump a big salary yeah sure then you might have the remaining part of your mid full mid-level exception which would be about seven and a half million it's lower than 8.4 just because sterling brown's contract had to come out of that but more realistically, you're probably talking about a few million bucks. So let me let me tee you up, Eric. If you okay. had, let's say, let's say the Bucks do stretch Spencer Hawes, right? And I've heard a couple people say like, "Oh, that would be the dumbest thing ever." And I mean, it's never good to, you know, tell someone to just go away and not play for you anymore. I mean, that's not like a good thing. It's not a sign of good management. Although realistically. At this point, Spencer Hawes being the last remaining, you know, uh, shard of the Miles Plumlee contract that came, you know, crashing down through uh, through a window on us last year and, and ruined our summer. Um, it's pretty remarkable that that that's the only thing left at this point. That just that six million dollars is left. But crazy. Let's let's say this. So the Bucks are, I think, like one point four over the luxury tax right now. That includes Gary Payton who's non-guaranteed at the moment. Um, let's just assume they keep Gary Payton or they sign somebody else who makes the same amount of money, right? Which is very, very relatively little. Um, so with that last roster spot, let's just say you've got, you know, 4 million, you, you, you save the 4 million on Hawes. You get, you know, you, part of that you use just to get back under the luxury tax. Let's say you got, you know, two and a half million bucks or something like that, right? Not a ton of money, but Nowadays, probably goes further than it did last year for sure. If you had two and a half million dollars, Eric, and you had one roster spot, let's assume Spencer Haas is the guy who's gone. Who who might you look at at this point? And and at this point, I don't think there are any any I don't think anybody, Derek Rose or otherwise, is necessarily totally out of your budget because let's be honest, there's just not a lot of demand for anybody who's left on the market at this point. Um, so two and a half million bucks in your checking account. Who would you go and talk to? Wow, uh, that is quite a question, Frank. Um, I'm trying to think exactly. I mean, because you kind of try to think who could have a role. Um, how could there be some upside in that deal? How would you try to to go about that? And I mean, I think immediately I kind of go to my guy uh, that <laughs> I've been campaigning for. I don't know. It's a, since last summer when we were talking about the best thing to do would be to be frugal don't sign anything more than a two-year deal go out and get some cheap guys and one of the guys i mentioned was ian clark from the golden state warriors i i'm not sure what happens with him um maybe two and a half gets it done um, but that's always been a guy i've been intrigued by um unfortunately i was much more intrigued before the bucks had signed a guy like Daly because i thought okay you could probably play him at some shooting guard at some point guard and do a little bit of that but we were talking about this before the podcast started like jason terry played last year 
and played quite a bit. And Matthew Delvadova played and played quite a bit last year. Like, there's still, right now, like at this moment, there's minutes to be decided for that person. Like, who who plays some of those minutes? How do you fill that role? So I think Ian Clark is a guy that I've always liked. Uh, can catch and shoot, can create a little bit, um, and can kind of and can defend some. Uh, just a, a guy that I think can take some minutes, and uh, maybe it's an innings eater, minutes eater role like uh, we were kind of imagining for Tony Snell, but I think that's a guy that I would at least be interested in in a bench role. And uh, I think shooting guard's probably the spot or shooting guard slash point guard is kind of the spot that I would probably, I'd probably be looking at. Yeah, Ian Clark's a guy. I, I mean, I don't think he's, you know, numbers we've we heard thrown around early in the season. You know, like eight, eight, nine million back when you know the market was. People were still sort of thinking the market this year would be like the market last year. Like Ian Clark is not a guy I want to pay. You know, like six man decent rotation type dollars to. Um, he kind of falls into, and and I don't think he's even I don't think he even necessarily showed this much. Although he did play 15 minutes a game last year, was very efficient as a scorer, um, 37% from three. You know, not like lights out. Um, at, took about 5.2 per 36 minutes, so you know, decent volume, not like a crazy gunner. Um, but up to his two point percentage as well, 56%. You know, whether that's super sustainable, I don't know. Um, but he was an efficient scorer. Uh, Obviously, lots of room in Golden State, so you worry about whether or not that kind of carries over. Um, but, you know, nowadays, the fact that he's 6'3", has sort of that, that tweener combo um, size, uh, less of a big deal, right? Because especially on a team like the Bucks, where you've got multiple ball handlers, probably not not that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ian Clark, sure, for, for that kind of money, that, that would be fine. I think you don't want to be the team that gives Ian Clark sort of his get-paid money, you know. Uh, and, and, again, he's... I don't want to compare him necessarily that closely to Kent Bazemore, but I just remember going into last summer thinking, you want to be the team that signs Kent Bazemore or Bismack Biombo to the contracts that makes that make everybody say, "Holy crap! How'd you find that guy? You know, he's going to get paid on his next contract." <laughs> yeah, you want to get them on that contract. You don't want to get them on the wow, you had a nice season for some <laughs> other team. Let's go totally overpay you, right? And obviously, both the Magic and and, and the Hawks with Bazemore um, now are, are feeling some of the, those pangs of regret. I mean, you know, he's owed, what, $18 million over the year over the next three years. I mean, that's just an immovable contract at this point. So obviously we're not talking about anything close to that kind of money for Ian Clark. But, you know, I think if you, you could have applied similar logic if someone had paid him, you know, $8, $10 million and, you know, really got got kind of excited about him. So, so yeah, he's a guy that I, th- I think you could put up there. Um, I mean, of course. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna, come on, Frank. Do it. I mean, I'm going to start with the guy that I got to start with um, because I've been saying it all summer and, and, and I'm surprised actually how few people have, um, have actually like come at me for this. <laughs> Cause I think people love Jason Terry, man. People love Jason Terry and yeah. I don't care that he's old because you got a ton of young guys and I would be totally fine giving him a minimum deal. Um, you know, there was this report the other day that, that he had, potentially some offers um or potentially interest right and then maybe one team might be considering extending him an offer that might be just his agent kind of trying to plant some interest somewhere but um but i mean it's weird i mean he shouldn't be able to play anymore but he he can 
Um, he was, <laughs> he was not bad. He shot what 42% from the field. The bucks were great when he was on the court, a lot of noise in that, obviously. I mean, it's not, a, not like, it's not like there's a good reason why the bucks would have been awesome defensively when Jason Terry's on the court. But, um, I think just, again, you try to think about the chemistry of the team, you know, the things that, that went well, sort of from a interpersonal standpoint. I mean, as much as we may complain about Jason Kidd, I, I remain thankful that, his relationship with Jason Terry landed a uh, jet in Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, especially compared to some of the other options, um, I would be very happy to see jet kind of come back and reprise his role as the kind of token old crusty veteran on the roster who, uh, you know, is, is, uh, keeps the young guys in line. And, um, I, I don't know. Again, I think there's value in that. Sure. You could, I mean, I don't think they're going to bring him back as an assistant as an assistant. Cause they have, already like i mean what they added didn't they technically add two assistants last year they added brohammer and stacy ogman so i mean i don't think there's Mm -hmm. necessarily much room for another assistant um just from a bench standpoint but um but screw it man i love jet jet makes me happy as a fan give me some more i was gonna say i didn't i didn't say jet because i knew you would say jet uh but like again we talk about it i don't know pretty much every time we talk like veterans actually mean something they they are important they have a very positive role on on teams in general and especially on a team that i mean as you look across this roster there's a number of young guys and i just really think that that can be very helpful in i mean everything that these guys do how to prepare uh how to get through things how to play defense how to make the right reads like i do think that it's very important and if you can get that as uh, the 15th spot on your roster and again maybe he plays more than what you would think of uh that 15th guy but just having him around on the floor able to help out like, i do think it's very important so honestly like I'm a big Ian Clark guy, but I might even say that I would say Jet over over him because I, I really do think that he can have a huge impact on this team. Well, and and what you said is important, right? It, do I want Jason Terry playing? You know, let's see, he played 1,300 minutes last year. No, I don't think that's necessarily a good sign for the Bucks, <laughs> especially for for what the young guys are doing. You know, yeah. you you would hope that Sterling Brown, Rashad Vaughn, that those guys can challenge jet more for those minutes and you know again if jet is a guy who just becomes a mop-up guy that that feels like a better you know more fitting role for a 40 year old guy but by the same token you know um as much as he you know tended to get overplayed at times by jason kidd he played very long stretches at times which we brought up um you you know you look at the numbers and it's like well I, i don't know if it's necessarily logical that the bucks were as good as they were with him on the court but it's hard to say like, oh, the Bucks really suffered because Jason Terry was out there, right? I mean, so, something was going right, and and I think certainly at least some of that is the fact that he's a, just a smart player who knows his role, and for whatever lim- physical limitations he has, um, you know, everything we worry about with you know Jay, with Derrick Rose, like still thinking he's a superstar and not playing, you know, sort of staying in his lane. I mean, that that does not apply to Jason Terry. He's a guy who was once certainly not a Derrick Rose level star, but I mean, he was once a very good starting caliber NBA player. And, um, you know, he's, he's dramatically evolved, um, his game, right? I mean, he, he shoots 70% of his shots the last three seasons have been three pointers. He just does what he can do. And, and that's obviously kept him around a long time. So, so yeah, shout out to jet. I'm going to keep shouting out jet until he's gone and signed someplace else or, you know, the bucks 
clearly have have moved on but uh but i i stand by it the bucks always get rid of their you know lovable veteran glue guys and then they always disappoint the year after they do it so let's just let's just break the break the streak if if the bucks are going to disappoint next year let's have it not be because you know they got rid of the the lovable glue guy on the bench but um anyway who who else kind of jumps out at you anyone else um or or i can i've got one other former former buck that actually i i would throw out there who i wouldn't have expected i i would be totally totally fine with michael beasley coming back i don't know if he really fills a need as much this year um certainly with jabari out there's at least a little bit more of a need um you know you would hope that that dj wilson could eat up some of the minutes that that beasley might have otherwise gotten especially as sort of occasional stretch for um but i just really enjoyed and, and i wasn't sure what to expect of beasley um, and I think, you know, as, as residents of the Toledovich archipelago, I think, feel like we were often drawn into sort of de facto conflict with the, um, you know, the Beasley uh, stands, the, they were stands, the, the inhabitants of, you know, the Beasley Isthmus or wherever, wherever Beasley <laughs> fans live. Um, but, but no, I mean, I really enjoyed Beasley. You know, he seemed to, um, you know, we, we talked about it, right. That, Jet vouched for him. There were good reports on him when he went to Houston. Nothing bad that came out of the Houston experience. So for whatever he might have, you know, suffered from immaturity early in his career, um, you know, he's a guy that I think embraced the fact that you know, well, look, he he is what he is. He, he's not a starter. He's not a twenty point per game scorer, but he's going to go out and get you buckets. And you know, he's a good guy that everybody seemed to really like. And and you know, I I've, I think I enjoyed him. And again, like. You know, hey, if if Bucks fans are gonna, you know, whine about, oh, we need more shot creators. That's why we need Derrick Rose. Hey, I'll take Michael Beasley's shot creation <laughs> over Derrick Rose's, yeah. even though he's not a point guard. But you know, Beasley was a guy who could always just go. You know, I, I referred to him as sort of the the icebreaker. You know, that like the, those ships that just, you know, when everything's get frozen, they can just go in and blast through ice in the Arctic or whatever. That was Beasley when the offense was completely stalled out. Just throw bees the ball. He'll go and get you a bucket. And um, again, you know, some of the shot selection stuff drives you crazy. But I mean, it was insane. His the fact that he put up a true shooting, the true shooting numbers he did last year, despite the fact that you know his shot chart was just you know an eyesore at times. Um, that that tells you how talented he is. Um, it'd be nice if you could get him to shoot a few more threes and uh, fewer, you know, one dribble in. 19 footers but um you know credit to beasley he um he he played well in his role last year and uh you know shout out to bees uh, we enjoyed you and i don't think he's coming back you know i think there's a lot i i have i have really no expectation that michael beasley would be back um as opposed to jet who i think there's at least maybe a chance but um but hell i i wouldn't mind it at all one thing i've been thinking about frank and god people are not gonna like this one um, there's a Plumley brother that's restricted right now, <laughs> and I under I understand how crazy that is, but the Nuggets seem totally uninterested in Mason Plumley to the point where I I think I've seen I don't know if it was Matt Moore Adam Mars mentioned like he might have to take the qualifying offer. What do you think that number is to swoop in and and try to grab him? Because I, I would assume no matter what, he's 
not going to have any interest in that and just want the the qualifying offer, play the year out, and then hopefully find someone. But with centers, like there just isn't a market. And I mean, I've watched Mason Plumlee before, and I've I've seen him in like it's that spot that we always talk about when you run a pick and roll and you toss it back to the center in the middle. Like in Portland, he was making that pass. Like he was actually showing a little something in that spot and obviously he still has some athleticism that he can go on and and dunk the ball when he's that rim roller um but again how much do you think you'd have to move to do that and how bad of an idea is it to sign another center sign another plumley um well i mean here's the problem i I mean, it'd be worth it just to annoy Jason Kidd, probably, and just to see his face in the press conference when <laughs> he has to talk about how he's excited to have, you know, another you know, this center. this is CYO um, ball, you know, we're going to have to play all but, the centers. Yeah, I mean, Plumlee's qualifying offer is $4.6 million, so basically straight off the bat, you'd say it's pretty much a non-starter, because, you know, I have to think he would want, you would, you would need to be above that figure, and to make him interested slash to make the Nuggets not want to match it. Um, so he does seem just like a guy who, unless the Nuggets kind of bid against themselves, which I kind of doubt they'll do. Um, for sure. I, I, I would just say, yeah, I just, I just don't see a team like the Bucks really. I mean, and again, and, and you start with the need. I just don't think there's necessarily yeah. a need, but especially cause he's, he's such a weird player because he's athletic, athletic finisher, surprisingly good passer, as you mentioned, but he's also like not, you know, for all the athleticism, he's not like, you know, a rim protector, has a perception as a good defender. So yeah. he's, he is kind of a weird player. For sure. And I was just like looking through a list of free agents and I just, just like I said, I weird offensively, like I kind of enjoy everything that he does, um, yeah. which is, again, strange for me to say about a center, but. It, I do like that he, he's able to fill that rim runner role and do some things, and it's just weird that he, he's still out there. But yeah, it, ultimately, it's it's a total pipe dream. Um, and again, maybe it's not a pipe dream, maybe it's a pipe nightmare. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but it was just something that I thought was interesting, that he's still out there. And I guess that kind of speaks to free agency as a whole. Like, Bobby Marks tweeted it out earlier, but he was like, there's... 60 some free agents out there and there's not that many open spots on rosters and we haven't even talked about second rounders and stuff like there's there's gonna be a lot of free agents here that have to make difficult life decisions like am i going over to europe am i going to china Um like, what am i gonna do with my career because there's just not a ton of money out there yeah for sure i mean you know we, we saw another you know example over the weekend i mean jonathan simmons didn't take the minimum but he was a guy that you know i think a lot of people would have assumed there'd be a pretty healthy market for and then the spurs basically just decided they didn't even want to buy <laughs> they didn't even want to bother and and ended up letting him walk and and he signs for a pretty cap-friendly uh three-year what 18 19 million dollar deal in in orlando and again i don't think either of us believes jonathan simmons is some you know great building block especially at his age he's he's very old for a guy uh who is hitting restricted free agency but um by the same token you know uh worth a gamble you know in terms of being an athletic swingman who, who can do some interesting stuff yeah to the right team for sure so um so i don't know but I, 
what else? I mean, anybody else? I mean, you know, I, I don't know if there's anybody. I mean, I think the Bucks' salary position just makes it really hard to really be in play for any of the kind of restricted free agents that are out there. Shabazz um, was someone that was mentioned, and obviously, you on the Bruhu podcast have a little bit of history with with Shabazz. Um, I do, or Steve Von Horn does. Well, I mean, I think you would be related to that uh, history in in some way. You were you were on the you were on the Bruhu podcast when when Steve was professing his love for him. So well. I, in fairness to well maybe we need to slander steve just so we can convince him to come back <laughs> on this podcast but um but yeah i mean i think i think the thing that steve was just sort of interested in sort of the pedigree of because i think i think back then one of the discussions we had was if scoring is always something that's very expensive to get like in free agency mm-hmm. so it's not to say that scoring is really all that it's cracked up to be. But if you're going to have to pay too much for it anyway, yep. then does it make sense to try to draft guys who have really that kind of like high-level scoring pedigree? Mm-hmm. And of course, Shabazz, you know, has scored pretty well, but, you know, the kind of knock on him, I think he's kind of been exactly what I think a lot of people probably assumed in that, you know, he literally never... I think I think I looked it up, I was curious. I think his season high in assists last year was two. Um, he just doesn't pass. I mean, he's just a black <laughs> hole. I mean, he, he's out there getting buckets. Yeah, he can knock down a corner three. Um, I think he had at least one game where he really hurt the Bucks. But um, you know, he's an interesting player. But again, he's kind of like a really undersized four, basically at this point in a lot of ways. Um, and and he's just a strange player who I don't think you know, especially given his defense, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, the the free agent pickings. I mean, they're 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 pretty thin, right? I mean, if you look at like point guards, for instance, you were talking about. You know who are the best point guards, uh, you know, available. Um, it, it's not, you know, again, I mean, the top the top names here on on this list here. I'm looking at hoops. I, Derek Rose. They still have Rondo, who just signed in New Orleans. Ty Lawson, Darren Williams, Brandon Jennings, Ramon Sessions, Sergio Rodriguez, who I think just signed in, in, with Seska Moscow in in Europe. Um, you know, not a lot of great names. I mean, to be honest, like the the the, the talent level is like l- extremely low, and I would say also pretty flat. I mean, you know, Tyler Ennis is number nine. Ennis actually was pretty solid for the Lakers. He's also super young, so I have no no expectation that the Bucks would try to bring Tyler Ennis back at this point. I don't think he's really anything special, but um, but you know, that just sort of goes to show, right? A guy that didn't seem to show anything in Milwaukee. You know, what was he on three teams? Uh, uh, technically, last year between the Bucks, yep. Rockets, and and Lakers, I think. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just a, a a grim, grim list. I mean, Gravis Vasquez is 15th on this list. Can Gravis Vasquez even walk? I mean, there there's there's some really sketchy names on this list, and um, you know, I think I think the only other name that and again, I mean, it's like, do I really find this player interesting? Not really, but. You know, I at least know I, I, I have a ba- I need to I need to think of guys who are who are not ever on the Bucks because I feel like I'm just being dangerously over indexing on I'm basically using the Doc Rivers sort of um, approach <laughs> thing. But um, but Beno Udre was actually sorry, Beno. It changed while he was in Milwaukee. Beno Udre was actually he was actually pretty solid for the Pistons last year. He had at least one game where he actually looked really good in the Bucks as well. But, um, you know, his numbers last year were actually better than than they had been in a couple of years previously. And. Um, you know, I mean, again, like, are you signing Ben Overdre to go to go play for you? No, but 
um, if you were dead set on trying to add another guard, which I don't think the Bucks necessarily are, unless it was really kind of an opportunistic thing. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say Ben Odre. I mean, his most of his advanced metrics are better than Derek Rose's, <laughs> so that just goes to show you maybe a little bit about Benno having a good season and a lot about yeah. Eric Rose maybe being overrated. So, All right, Frank. I don't know if we solved any problems today, um, but we might have even created some. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I think that's about it for today, unless there's something else you wanted to touch on. No. I'm, well, let me ask you this. We, we touched on the Giannis Eurobasket thing. Are you, as a Bucks fan, do you want Giannis to play in Eurobasket? Are you coldly rational and thinking, I can't allow any possibility of Giannis getting hurt or do you take more of the I want something to pay attention to and care about this summer so it'd be kind of cool if he played for Greece I mean what Chris Middleton had his hamstring tear off the bone in like a practice right I think I think anything could happen anywhere I I don't know if there's any controlling yeah I don't think you can control for that so um, i I'm trying to think. I guess the concern is always with me, like, how does Greece use him? And is it ultimately a fulfilling experience for him? Like, if that is something that he really wants to do, sure, go for it. I think there could be a lot of value there, like learning how to work with a different group of players, learning how to assert your will in different situations. Like, I think that could be very positive. So... If it's something that he really wants to do, and yeah, I think that I think that could be a very positive situation for him. So um, I don't I don't necess- I don't really have a problem with it. Um, again, I, I know there's a lot of people that would say like, oh, you should be working on his jump shot, and it should just be the workouts, and you don't deviate from that schedule. But uh, I think if it's something that he really loves and it's something that he feels strongly about then yeah if that makes him happy that's great i think you should go do it yeah i i tend to lean that way too i mean i think there are a couple things here first off you know we're we're what two weeks removed one week removed from you know the whole uh, fake Giannis could leave well not fake but but you know like sort of just the clock is ticking random clock is ticking discussion so i mean clearly if Giannis wants to play i mean i think it's sort of one of those things like you can give him the pitch on like, hey, we would love it if you know you stay here, work out with your teammates, focus on getting better with our with our staff. Um, that would be our preference. And if he says, okay, I'll do that this summer, you know, whenever the Olympics come back around, then he'll try to go for that or something. You know, it's kind of work something out that way. Because let's be honest, I mean, that's the problem, right? There's Eurobasket, there's the FIBA World Championship or World Cup, whatever they call it now. And there's the Olympics. So, I mean, basically, like, every summer, basically, every, three out of every four summers, there could be something that Greek is trying, Greece is trying to qualify for. So, it's not like there's, like, lots of off summers you're going to see, period. But you could try to kind of make the case, well, this one's less important. So, hey, we'd love it if you could try to prioritize the Bucks this summer and then, you know, next summer we'll kind of see where we are. Um, but to kind of say, like, we forbid you from that. I don't know. That probably isn't probably a great a great tack to take with Giannis, yeah. um, especially if you're trying to kind of make sure that he feels like you know you're trying to meet him halfway and and support you know something that really matters a lot to him, which obviously the national team does. So, um, so I, I, I part of me also feels like it'd be a good nice gesture. Obviously, you always worry about the injury, and that's you know kind of the ultimate trump card. If he gets hurt, then you know 
all this stuff doesn't matter and we're wrong for ever considering even letting him play. But as a fan, I enjoy watching him play for Greece. I think it's cool for Greek fans. It's cool for him. Um, and, you know, again, if it does sort of give him a better feeling about the box as an organization supporting something that matters to him, that's also something I don't think we can act like it's trivial, right? That I don't think you can go around and say, like, well, you know, we need to do everything we can to keep Giannis happy because we don't want to lose him. And then also say like, Oh, well, you know, there's no way they should let him play no matter what he wants. Eh, I think it's kind of hard to necessarily reconcile those two. Um, so anyway, I, I hope he does. I hope he's healthy. I hope he stays healthy. I mean, I guess there are reports. I'm still having a hard time figuring out what exactly happened, but his younger brother Costas was actually hurt playing for the Greek U20 team. So actually there's been concern that his younger brother may actually miss time for Dayton this year. Potentially, I've heard kind of different things. Originally there was talk that was, a, I think, a non-displaced fracture, and then Jonathan Bagoni said that it was just a hyperextended knee and he's out there. Was like, there was like three days where I had Dayton people in my business. Because uh, <laughs> like, I had retweeted uh, Gavoni's tweet. And then someone asked, like, well, why does this differ from Dayton's report or whatever? And Jonathan clarified why it did. And, oh, my God, it was, there was, it was, it was something. Like, God, I'm used to some business going down in my, in my uh, mentions, but Dayton fans were fired up. It was weird. Yeah, and, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe that, maybe seeing his younger brother get hurt, maybe, I don't know, maybe that affects Giannis. Yeah. Maybe maybe he says like, eh, you know what? I'm going to choose my battles. Who knows, right? I mean, uh, I guess we'll we'll have to just sort of see. But um, but that I guess is the one chance we have for seeing uh, for seeing Giannis play this summer, and it would be uh, it would be cool to to have at least one more basketball tournament to uh, to watch this summer. But um, I guess we'll we'll have to stay tuned. And I agree, it is interesting sort of seeing his his role evolve for Greece because obviously you you do want to see him kind of continue to take on that bigger role. And I think that part of the issue is I know that they, I think Greece went under when a coaching change this summer, um, or at least sometime in the last year they had, oh God, what's, I forget the guy's name, something with a K, but basically it was the same guy for, I think, uh, I think all of Giannis's time with the national team and now it's a different coach. So I don't know what that means for, for Giannis or the national team. But I think at this point, if you're taking over the Greek national team job, not that hard to figure out who your best player is and who you need to kind of revolve things around. So we will see. But anyway, um, yeah, should we just leave it at that for today? And I think so. We'll, we'll, we'll defer for for our for our next emergency podcast. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what, what 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 crazy stuff can happen. No to, to... emergency pods, Frank. I would much no? rather. Well, I don't know. I'm talking about uh, having good topics to talk about is always fun. So. Um, I don't know. I don't. I probably don't want. There's one emergency pot I don't want. Um, the rest can all be fine. I think pretty much. So uh, we'll see where that leads us. We'll see what the next podcast is. We'll see what we're talking about. It should be fun. Thanks for joining us. This has been Locked On Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you later. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.